I greet you in Jesus' name. It is a blessing to greet you in that name. It is a blessing to be with you this morning. It's always a blessing to feel your welcome here. And as much as we can, we feel at home here. So I appreciate being here with you, and I trust the Lord is with us, and he will be ministering to our hearts this morning. I also want to take the opportunity to thank you for your support, prayer support, financial support over the years, your tokens of love. May God bless you for that. And like Brother Larry mentioned, it is a time of mixed feelings. It's, it is uh, painful to say goodbye, but it is also a blessing to have that, that blessed hope that we as Christians can have of being in, in a much better place with our Lord. And that has been a great comfort to us in the time of, of Mama's passing as well as in the time since that. And yes, it is a rejoicing that she can be in a better place. We look forward to being there too. I hope we all do. <clears throat> This morning I'd like to consider with you a little bit about our heart. Our heart is very important. It's the the core of who we are. And Proverbs 4.23 tells us that we should take very diligent care of our heart. Because out of it are the issues of life. In Spanish, it gives the idea that we should take care of that more than any, anything else that we guard. We should guard our heart, take care of our heart, because we live out of our heart. What we truly are is what's in our heart. And so we should be very careful to guard our heart. We should pay much attention to what's in our heart. This morning I would like to consider with you the proud heart. I don't know if you were like I was when I was a child, but I remember different times uh, standing beside somebody else and seeing who's the tallest. And, oh, it was important to see who was, who was taller. Am I the tallest one or somebody else is taller than me? And then once we grow up and stop growing in stature, then we start measuring other things. We have to find out who's the strongest, right? I'm stronger. Or maybe for the women, who's the prettiest? Or who's the most handsome? 
Who is the most popular? Maybe we start measuring ourselves by how much money we have. Or how much influence I have. How much I know. Or we start measuring each other by the car we drive. The house we live in. Maybe we measure ourselves by our abilities. Who's the best teacher? Or the best farmer? Or the best housewife? The best cook? And uh, fellowship dinners are a good time to, to let other people know how good we can cook, right? Uh, I, I think you, you do it out of a servant's heart. But it is very easy to compare ourselves and check each other out and see how we rate on that ladder. Who has more Bible knowledge? Or even who's the best preacher? Who's more spiritual? Etc. And all of these could be forms of pride, vanity. So what is the condition of your heart? Of my heart? Is it full of pride? Or is Jesus' image reflected on it? What is pride? One of the Greek words for proud gives the idea of appearing above others. According to dictionary.com, pride is a high or inordinate opinion of one's own dignity, importance, merit, or superiority, whether as cherished in the mind or as displayed in bearing, conduct, etc. Pride gives the idea of arrogance, superiority, or that you feel greater or better than others. It's also interesting to note that the other side of pride, or maybe the flip side of the same coin, is inferiority. You know, maybe you feel pretty good, pretty big, pretty great, until somebody else comes along that has a better car than you do, or knows more than you do, can do things better than you can, and then what? Oh, feel inferior. So, Maybe we can assume that pride has a lot to do with being occupied or being preoccupied with yourself. Let's turn to Proverbs 6, 16. God hates pride. Proverbs 6, 16. 
<clears throat> These six things doth the Lord hate. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yea, seven are an abomination to him. God hates these things. He can't stand them. What are they? The first one, a proud look. Pride. God hates it. He can't stand it. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. God hates these things. And yeah, we could talk about the other things that are there and how God hates lying. He mentions it twice in this in this list. But noticing that the first thing that comes out a proud look. God hates pride. And I suppose you're very much like I am. I struggle with pride. But God hates it. Why do we struggle so much with pride? Why does God hate it so bad? Why can't he stand it? I have some ideas. I think he does. He hates it because because it's a lie. It's a lie. God made us, not we ourselves. So why should we be proud? If we're proud because of our beauty, so who made you? If you're proud because of your money, You weren't born with money. You received it. It's a lie. If you're proud because you're so smart, God gave it to you. God made us. We didn't make ourselves. God made us all equal. The same. We're all the same. Made of the same blood. Same race. There aren't races. We are all the same. We are all human race. God made us all equal. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians 3, verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. Or we could say, there's no Salvadorans, there's no Americans. There is neither bond nor free. 
There is neither male nor female. Ye are all one in Christ. We are all the same. So why should we feel better or superior, greater than others? We're all the same. And God made us each one how he wanted us to be. We didn't make ourselves. And we have received everything. Everything that we have. Like I said, when we were born, what did we have? We had nothing when we came. And like Job said, we won't take anything along with us either. Everything we have received. Maybe you've worked hard for, uh, to, to be able to buy your fancy car. And so you're proud of it. Well, did God give you strength to be able to work? Did he give you health? Did he give you food? Everything we have comes from him. Everything depends on him. And yeah, what, what can we truly say? This is mine. Or this is because I'm so great. This is because I'm so good. We have received everything. Like 1 Corinthians 4 says, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7. And this is in, in the context of, of some people uh, feeling that this leader is better and we're followers of this one and we're followers of that one. And, and so they were despising the other, getting puffed up one against the other. Verse 7 says, For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou not, hast not received it? So what sets you apart? What do you have you haven't received? Think about it. Everything we have, we've received it. So why do we get so puffed up about it? And that is another uh, Greek word for proud, enveloped in smoke. <laughs> and uh, how was it? But the idea of, of getting inflated, like the turkeys. Huh? My son has a has a pair of turkeys and the male turkey gets all and struts around makes himself real big but you catch him and you get all puffed up get enveloped in smoke can't think straight We've received everything, money, possessions, beauty, intelligence. And by the way, who decided in which family you were going to be born? You decided you were going to be a biler? You were going to be a stalsfus? Or a glick? We didn't decide that. So why 
have that family pride. God placed us where he wanted. We didn't decide that. God hates it because it's a lie. And it makes us believe lies. Like Nebuchadnezzar, that day when he was strutting around in his palace. And he said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by, my might, by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? Yes, it was a beautiful place and it was a big empire. He was an important man. My! But, Was it by his might? Was it that he was so smart? No. A mighty angel right away told him, You go eat grass with the oxen until you get it figured out who is the one that sets up kings and who takes them down. And he went. Seven years, that mighty, mighty emperor went and ate grass seven years until he finally recognized that God is the almighty God. He's the one that reigns. He's the one that has given everything, sets up, takes down. He's the one that needs to be glorified. And I think God hates pride because it's harmful. Very harmful. It separates us from other people. Because we get puffed up. We think we're so great. We think somebody else is so small. Doesn't deserve my relationship. Separates people. Separates nations, separates races. How terrible. And it separates us from God. Like the brother was reading this morning in 1 Peter 5. God resists the proud. Pride separates us from God. Do you feel far away from God sometimes? Maybe it's because of the pride. God resists the proud. Romans 8 says, If God be with us, who can be against us? What a comforting thought. If God be with us, who can be against us? But now think about it on the other side. If God is against us. Who can help us? That's a terrible place to be. Psalm 138 verse 6 says, Though the Lord is high, yet he has respect to the lowly. But the proud he knows afar off. Uh, Brother Keith, I think it was, that, that uh, also mentioned this verse. And uh, with the idea that he can tell who is proud from afar off. 
I had understood it another way, and maybe what Brother Keith was saying is the right way, or maybe it can be taken both ways. God knows the proud from afar off. Gives me the idea that he's not close to them. And come to think about it, do you like to be with proud people? I don't enjoy it. Somebody thinks he's so great. Isn't it so much nicer to relate with humble people? God also doesn't want to be with the proud. He resists the proud. He knows them from afar off. I don't want to be far from God. I want to be close to him. I don't want him to keep me at arm's length. It's harmful. It separates us from other people, separates us from God, separates us from wisdom. Proverbs eleven twelve says, The one who despises his neighbor is void of wisdom. It's foolishness. 1 Corinthians 8, 2 says, And if any man thinks that he knows anything, do you think you know something? Pretty smart. It's easy to think that, that we know a whole lot. But it says, if we think we know something, he, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. In other words, if we think we're smart, if we think we have things figured out, if we think we're smarter than others, we still haven't even started kindergarten. We still don't know anything like we ought to know it. It's harmful. Pride makes us fall. Pride goeth before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall makes us fall. Has happened so many times to me. Proud, you think you have things figured out? Boom! And it makes us useless. Proverbs 26, 12 says, Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him. Makes us useless. There's more hope for a fool than for somebody that's proud. And I think another reason why God hates pride so much is because it reminds him of Satan and his rising up against God. It was Satan's downfall. Let's turn to Isaiah 14. The Bible tells us that, or indicates to us that, that uh, Satan, before his fall, was a, a very beautiful angel, very strong angel, maybe even the leader in worship to God. 
But then pride crept into his heart and corrupted him. Isaiah 14.12 How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like, I will be the, like the most high. And he, he uh, aspired or, or decided to take, try and take God's place. That was so foolish. How can a creature... Take the Creator's place. There's no way. But pride corrupted his heart. And he wanted to be like God. Take God's place. And when we let pride take a hold of our heart. Creep into our heart. And God sees that in our heart. No wonder he hates it. It's what what made Satan fall. It gives the image of Satan in our hearts. Instead of Jesus' image. Oh, that we would have Jesus' image in our hearts. How was Jesus? Or how is Jesus? When he was walking this earth, he came, he was born in a stable, He was not, he he didn't feel comfortable in the presence of kings and high people. He was with the lowly people. And he says in in, uh, Matthew 11, learn from me. Take my yoke upon you. Matthew 11, verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor. And are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn of me. For I am meek and lowly or humble in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When when God sees pride in our heart. He doesn't see Jesus image there. But when we are humble. Lowly, when we're not puffed up, when we're not trying to appear better or greater than others. He sees Jesus' image in our hearts. And thinking about that of being labored, heavy laden, it is hard work. To keep up with the Jonases, the Millers, the Yoders. It is hard work to be always trying to propel yourself and act like you have it all together. It's hard work. Why not learn from Jesus? And I'm 
I'm saying that for myself. Why not learn from him? Be humble. Instead of trying to be what we're not. How to get rid of pride. God hates it so. And may we have that same that same hatred for pride. Yes, in other people, but especially in our own hearts. How can we get rid of it? I think it is something that's not once done and done. I think it's something that we have to keep on working at it. But by God's grace, we can learn from Jesus. We can learn and get rid of it. I think one, one way or one thing we need to do to be able to get rid of it is to recognize it for what it is in our lives. There are different ways that pride shows itself in our lives. For example, how I dress. Am I so taken up with making my dresses just just exactly right or dressing in the best clothes available, expensive clothes. Why do I do that? Why is it so important? I'm not saying that we need to be sloppy. But if we're, we're so focused or so obsessed with making our dresses a certain way or, or takes, it takes a lot of work to make our dresses, our clothes, if it has to be just a certain way, what's behind it? It could be pride. Or how I fix my hair. Could be a way to display pride, take a long time in front of the mirror, making it just this a certain way. What for? Is it so my friends say, ah, is it to appear better than others? Living an, an extravagant lifestyle, luxurious, could be a form of pride. Could be showing pride. Another way that pride can be, that we can recognize pride in our lives is if somebody tries to give us counsel, do my, do I get upset and bristle? Who are you? Who told you to tell me what to do? Or are we humble enough to receive wisdom from others? After all, in the multitude of counselors, there's wisdom, there's security. But if we get upset when somebody gives us counsel, it might reveal that there's some pride in there. Or if somebody corrects us, I know it's hard to receive correction 
But you know, God hasn't given you, hasn't given me all wisdom, all understanding. I need my brothers and sisters to show me things that I don't see. He didn't give me everything. He has given everybody part of wisdom. And we need to benefit from that blessing of being in a brotherhood. That protection of being in a brotherhood. That some things that I don't see, my brother can help me see or my sister can help me see. And we don't have to get upset when somebody corrects us. Another way that sometimes we show pride is when we talk too much. We talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and don't listen to others. It might give the idea that I know better. Or if we interrupt other people, doesn't that mean that what I have to say is more important than what you're saying? Being a know-it-all. Looking down on others. Sometimes we make certain gestures, you know, <laughs> or we talk about others in a, in a, how do you say it, despreciativo way. <laughs> how, how do you say that, brother? Despreciativo. <laughs> Despising way. You know, <laughs> I was foolish. <laughs> so when we're saying, Ah, uh, duh. <laughs> what are we saying? I know better. I'm smarter. Or when we avoid relationship with certain people that are beyond, uh, below our dignity, we think. Another form of pride is disobedience, rebellion. To God. When we don't obey what God says, aren't we in essence saying, I know better? When God says, don't pay evil for evil, and we don't obey it, we pay evil with evil. Uh, we pay evil with evil instead of good for evil. We're saying, my way is better. I know better. Or when we don't obey the church. When we don't obey our parents. In essence, we're saying, I know better. Not? When we take offense at what somebody else did. You know, he, he treated me so bad. I don't deserve such treatment. Oh, so who do you think you are? You're pretty important. You should be treated better, not? So what sets you apart? Who said you're more important? Or are we believing lies? 
So we need to identify pride for what it is if we want to overcome it. And we need to repent. In Revelation chapter 3, one of the letters to to the churches, the church in Laodicea, they thought they were pretty good church. He says in verse 17, Revelations 3.17, Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing. They thought they were doing great. They were a pretty cool church. They didn't need anything. But Jesus says, And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Their true condition was not what they thought it was. And then Jesus says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent. We need to repent of pride to be able to get rid of it. And I think another thing that we need to do to be able to get rid of pride is that we need to anchor our self-worth where God says our worth is. What God says about us. So, how do we know what we're worth? What does our worth depend depend on? Does my my worth depend on how tall I am? No. Does it depend on how beautiful I am or how handsome I am? Thank God it doesn't depend on that. Does it depend on how smart I am, how intelligent? Does that is that a good Way to measure my worth? Again, it is not. How about how much money I have? Does that determine my worth? Maybe according to men it does. According to God? How much money I have? How rich I am? How big a business I have? Does that determine... If I'm worth a lot, where does my worth come from? Does it depend if I'm popular? Does it depend on my race? Does it depend on my background, who my parents are, and who my Freundschaft, or however you say that, is? Is that what what determines how much I'm worth? What determines what I'm worth? Does it is it determined by the clothes I wear? By the car I drive? 
by how big a tractor I have or how many cows I have? What determines my worth? Is it determined by who my husband is or my wife? Sometimes we get tricked into thinking that that has something to do with my worth. No. So what, what is my worth? How can I know what I'm worth? Where does my true worth come from? My value is based on what God says about me. After all, God made me. So my value is according to what God says about me. What does he say about me? Mark 8, 36, 37. What shall man give for his soul? How much are you worth? If a man gains the whole world and loses his soul, he lost everything. I think we can tell from that that we are worth more to God than the whole world. It's something else. God says, we, if we have received Jesus as our Savior, that we are children of the Most High. We are His sons, His daughters. We are sons of the ruler of the universe, the king of the universe, the almighty God, a son of God. How big a tractor I have, how how nice a car I drive, pales in comparison. Let's anchor our worth in what God says about us. Our true worth comes from being in a relationship, a living relationship with God. Being his children. And another idea how to get rid of pride. One that we probably don't like. At least I don't like it. Embrace humiliating circumstances. Yes, I've, I've had those times when I wish I could there would be a hole in the ground swallow me up. You know, it was so humiliating. Why why embrace those times? Humility is such an elusive thing. When we are humiliated, praise God. (laughs) He's showing us that really we can't do that much by ourselves. He's showing us really our true condition and that our true, con- uh, our true worth is in Him. We aren't any better than other people. We aren't uh, worth more than others. So those, those uh, situations that your face gets red and everything, let it be 
One of those times when you can learn humility. Learn to be humble. And another thing, focus on others. Pride has a lot of focus on me. And like we mentioned, inferiority is just the other side of the coin. Focus on others. Let's try to forget ourselves. Let's try to be a blessing to others. Promote others. Not seek to be promoted ourselves. And focus on God. Let God be the center of your focus. Let's forget about ourselves. Let's gaze on God. Be still. Know that I am God. God. Let's not try to take God's place. Let's not try to take the attention away from God. Let's remember who God is. God in his might, his majesty, his glory, his splendor. Focus on who he is. Remember how Isaiah, when he was in the presence of God, he said, woe is me. After all, who are we? Isaiah 40 says that we are less than nothing. The nations are like dust on the scales, insignificant. The nations, let alone me, how small we are. And like a brother once said, what does, what does one, one worm, or how, how can a worm uh, feel better than another worm because he's a little bigger than the other worm. He's still a worm. We are so small, insignificant, when we think about who God is. Oh, how foolish it is to be proud and to think we're better than somebody else. Isaiah 57. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is Holy, I dwell in the high and holy place. God, the highest, the almighty, he dwells in the heights of heaven. He also dwells somewhere else. And with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. To revive the spirit of the humble. And to revive the heart of the contrite ones. I want him to dwell with me. And I know you do too. I want to be close to him.
God forbid that we have pride in our hearts. God cleanse it out of our hearts. And to finish up, let's turn to Luke 18. Luke 18, verse 9. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. Uh, Notice that. He prayed with himself. He was proud. He wasn't praying to God. He was praying with himself. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. (laughs) I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift, lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For every one that exalteth himself shall be abased. He that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Shall we kneel before the Lord?